Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children 18 plus, you are tuned into the Loan Officer Podcast with me, Dustin Owen, and my main man, JC, John Coleman. Dio. How are you today, sir? Great. How are you? Fantastic. I wore my Easter shirt. You did? For all of you Easter followers. Yes. Looks yes, good. Yes. It's my, it's my spring shirt. Festive. Festive. Yeah. It's still a little bit baggy. A little bit baggy. A little bit baggy. Gotta you know, take I, that in. I... So I just took in like five jackets and four shirts to uh, uh, the, the dry cleaner who also yeah. does alterations. Correct. Stood uh, like this with my arms out for T-post. like an hour straight. T-post. T-post. Yeah. T-post. For anyone listening in on Spotify or on Apple Podcast, yeah. uh, I'm sticking my arms straight out. Um, my shoulders were screaming, but uh, it's what happens when you lose 30 or 40 pounds. Right. And, you know, I was reluctant for so many months to go spend the money to have the alterations done because I'm like, well, what if this was just a fad? Hmm. What if this lifestyle that I created after going through 75 hard was just a fad? But it's we're going on two years now. Right. I'm like, I think, eh, it, I think it's gonna stay. Yeah, I, I, I think it's gonna stay. So, um, yeah. So this shirt still needs to go through. Yeah, right. I know it's a little. Uh, yeah, it's a little bit baggy. Whatever. It's pretty, right? It looks good. It's bright. Hopefully, yeah. hopefully it pops on the screen. If you're if you're tuned in on YouTube right now, hope it pops. pops. Yep, uh, although it makes my face probably look that much rosy, but you're fine. what you going to do? Hey, because um, a question for you, and this yeah. question is going to lead right into today's episode. Perfect. What do you think the housing market is like right now for home buyers? Uh, difficult, multiple offers on the same home. Yeah, Struggle. Like, like coast to coast. Yep. I'm talking like I was talking to a buddy of mine who owns a, a home in Newton, Iowa. Newton, Iowa. Yeah, have you ever been to Newton, Iowa? I haven't. Maytag. Maytag started in Newton, Iowa. There you go. Okay. So, so 60, 70 years ago, it was a, a town built around Maytag. It's uh, about an hour outside of, um, I'm almost positive, Des Moines. Okay. Anyhow, he was talking about how homes in Newton, Iowa are getting multiple offers, how they're flying off of the market. What? Yeah. So when I say coast to coast, I'm like coast to coast, including Newton, Iowa, yeah. right? Homes are... There, there are more buyers than there are homes to sell. We talk about this often on this podcast. Mm-hmm. And at the end of the day, it has everything to do with a lack of supply to keep up with the demand. Mm-hmm. It's not like it was 15 years ago where there's this crazy inflated um, demand and there's also a crazy amount of supply. And then one day when the demand just diminished, mm-hmm. the supply was still there and everyone said, oh, crap. And then that was a bubble and the bubble burst. Gotcha. Nope. this is one in which if we look historically at what the national home builders are building, how many units they're, they're building, we're several hundred thousand units short year after year after year. We rely on home builders to create new units to keep up with the demand. Mm-hmm. So with the home builders not building enough, then it, it takes the other homes that are on the market and uh, makes them more desirable yeah. uh, just because of the whole supply and demand ratio. So yeah, so if, if you're trying to buy a house right now, it is no secret. It is very, very difficult. There are multiple offers. Many times you're going to have to uh, bid higher than the offer, mm-hmm. possibly pay more than appraised value mm-hmm. in order to win the bid, yeah. in order to buy that house. Makes sense. So let's do an episode from a lender standpoint, but also a, a home buyer standpoint, maybe even a seller standpoint, and even a realtor standpoint. What are some things that we can be doing mm-hmm. in today's market to have our offer stand out? Yeah. And possibly, I want to touch on a subject of things that we can do 
to keep a transaction together, meaning keep the seller motivated to sell, the buyer motivated to buy, if and when the home appraises low, because we're seeing quite a bit of low appraisals because of this whole supply and demand uh, uh, ratio, people are, are willing to pay more than a home is worth uh, because they really want a home. And when the home doesn't appraise, how can we keep that transaction together? That may very well lead me to the creation of another episode where I'll have to enact um, one of my mortgage insurance uh, uh, partners mm -hmm. to come in and maybe be the guest and uh, they could dig deeper onto that subject. Yeah. But first and foremost, any questions before I get started on your end? Yeah. When When's the last time it's been like this where there's a shortage, where it's been like in this, this type of climate? Well, scarily enough, 2006. Okay. In my memory. Okay. In my memory, 2006 was uh, equally as not fun to be a home buyer. Okay. But comparing the two, in 2006, there were droves of speculative home buyers, but people who thought of themselves as real estate investors because financing was easy and they were able to go out and obtain 100% financing loans on investment properties, properties they never intended to occupy themselves, nor maybe even rent out. All they're trying to do is put a contract on mm -hmm. a home, buy it, and nine months later, flip it for a big fat profit. Yeah. Okay. And there was financing readily available with no money down, financing readily available for people with poor credit, people who couldn't improve their income, et cetera, et cetera. Mm -hmm. That doesn't exist these days. In fact, we just did an episode last week where we talked about Fannie Mae mm -hmm. basically making the, the obtaining mortgages for investment properties mm -hmm. more difficult uh, by increasing their pricing through a loan level pricing adjustment, all because they're trying to limit their scope of how many mortgages do they back mm -hmm. to 7% or less that are second home or investment property, right? We, right? we did that episode, which by the way, if you didn't get a chance to check out that episode, check it out. Yeah, check it. Like it's on YouTube, it's on Spotify, it's on Apple. Like we house all of our stuff there. Yeah. John puts up really funny clips uh, on places like Instagram, on places like LinkedIn, on places like like Facebook, at the Loan Officer Podcast. Um, you know, one clip I loved. Uh, my wife was laying in bed the other night, and she was, uh, good news is she's checking it out, right? right? I thought it was funny as hell, John, right. like, honestly. Right. <laughs> and she looks at me, and she goes, did you just say teat? Uh, I, which, I, by I, the way, honey, this is my second episode, of which I put, <laughs> I'm saying teat. She goes, did you say teat? I'm like, yeah, like, that's scientific, yeah, right? Correct. I could have used some other words yeah. that are less scientific. Correct. And then she goes, are you trying to be the next Joe Rogan? I hope so. Yeah, right. I mean, yeah, that's not a bad company. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And then she questioned how interested you were in what I was saying. I stare and I listen to everything. So much so that people ask me if I'm a loan originator. I'm not, by the way. People ask, like, oh, J uh, JC, shout out to, like, be a, a, a new loan officer. I'm like, no, I'm just a media guy. Yeah. <laughs> but I can speak and make jokes as if, you know. Yeah, well, a year later, you do. I, I would tell you this. You know more. Than the average bear. Than the, yeah, you, you probably know more than 97% of the American populace it's, when it comes to, to mortgages. crazy. That's awesome. It is. Yeah, like think about how much of a more well-rounded person you are. Correct. Just by, correct. But I do listen to everything you say. That's why I just look at you and listen. Osmosis, I absorb everything. And honey, by the way, I 
do help pay his salary. Therefore, he's kind of paid to listen <laughs> yeah, to yeah, me, right? right? It yeah. kind of comes with right? the territory. Right? Uh, no, no, no. So um, let's just jump into this episode, okay. right? Let's just kind of go into it. Um, you asked the question about 2006. Mm-hmm. That was the last time that, that we saw – uh, this type of like, oh my God, it's kind of not fun. I feel bad, especially yeah. for a first time home buyer, especially for somebody. We say first time home buyers because it's assumed a first time home buyer, a lot of times um, they're newer at it. They're not, they're not uh, rolling a bunch of equity from their first home purchase into the next home purchase. That means they're probably also short or, or on the low end of funds for closing. Okay. So maybe they need some help with um, uh, closing costs. And you know, there's been markets where you could negotiate with the seller to cover your closing cost. Mm-hmm. If you even try that today, you'd get laughed out of the house. Um, and that makes it not fun. It just, you know, it just does. Plus a first time home buyer tends to be buying in the lower price points, mm-hmm. the the 180 to 250 price point, or if you're in California, the 400 to 450 yeah. uh, price point. And those homes are obviously where it's the most competitive. Yeah. All right. So we need to think about and strategize how can we make our offer stand out? Mm-hmm. Because look, you're up against cash offers. It just came out yesterday or two days ago that um, the average of of cash purchases, 21%. 21% of purchases, people are using cash. When you say cash, like they just buy a whole, what is that? Yeah, cash money, homie. Like Damn. cash. Yeah. They're taking money out of their savings account, out of their investment account. You know, some people get savvy. Some people may utilize a HELOC. Shout out to an episode <laughs> did a couple weeks ago on HELOCs. They may utilize a HELOC where they, they take money out of one property and then use it to basically, quote unquote, pay cash for the, the next gotcha. property. Okay. But yeah, it's a cash buyer. If you're a seller, you love cash buyers, especially a cash buyer is paying top dollar because you take a lot of the uncertainty out of the transaction. Mm-hmm. I mean, a cash buyer, if you're buying a home and you're obtaining financing, you're going to have to show a pre-approval letter. You're going to have to call a mortgage loan originator and you're going to have to become pre-approved. If you're a cash buyer, you still have to show proof, but usually it's proof of funds. So it's a letter from your accountant, mm. a letter from your financial advisor, or you just send them your bank statement. Hmm. Like, hey, here's my bank statement. Okay. There's enough money there to buy this house, except my offer. But a cash offer can, can it means there's like no contingencies, right? I'm not having to sell one house mm. to buy this house. A cash offer, um, I don't need to necessarily get an appraisal, right? If you're financing, your financing is going to be based on a loan to value, which means an appraisal is going to have to come into play. Mm. If that home doesn't appraise, it may impact the borrowers or the buyer's ability to, to qualify. Mm. Right. So, so when when you when you add when you make introduce cash, I should mm-hmm. say, when you introduce cash into a transaction, you take away a lot of uncertainty. Mm. So, you know, in today's market, not only is it is it scarce to have homes that are in move-in condition that you like, mm-hmm. right? It's more demand than there is supply. You're also going up against cash. So this episode, let's let's brainstorm mm-hmm. some um, tactics? tricks. Tactics, yeah. like the word tactic, yeah. yeah. Some tactics that we can use as realtors, as home buyers, and as lenders to make sure our offers are being viewed at the top of the stack. As you say that, the my mind immediately goes to just give them as much money as they want and add 10000 is that like usually the right answer? Just add money. Just throw money at it. <sighs> Not really. Okay. I mean, yeah, you could do that. Okay. You, I mean, again, you could do that, but then uh, there's always that fear. Well, what if the home doesn't appraise? Is that then going to impact your offer? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's still an offer. Mm-hmm. Like I, I use this all the time when someone's like, well, I talked to this lender. I'm like, well, who is the lender? Well, I found them online. <laughs> like, okay, well, what state are they in? I don't know. And they don't answer my phone calls and it takes two days to call me back. But, you know, 
look how cheap their quote is. And I'm like, well, a quote's all well and good, but how good is that quote if you never close? So your suggestion, well, shouldn't I just go to the highest offer and add 10 grand? Well, that's a great offer if I'm a seller to accept it, but what good is it if you don't close? Then it's just a piece of paper with a big ass number on it that means nothing. So I definitely need to go with the offer that's gonna close. Um, now, if you're coming to me and you're like, hey, I'm putting 50% down mm -hmm. or I'm paying cash, okay, as a seller, then that's a very strong offer because someone with that much money to put down, even if the home doesn't appraise, they will more than likely still be able to obtain financing for that particular home and still be able to purchase it at the price that they negotiated with me, the seller. Yeah. But someone who's only putting 3% or 5% down, or let's say they're a veteran utilizing their VA benefits and they're putting 0% down, that wouldn't work if the home then wouldn't appraise and they didn't have the cash difference to make up between the sales price and the appraised value. Mm. So no, that's mm. not necessarily yeah. the, the best way yeah. to go, but it, it could, like it definitely could. But then you have to ask yourself, are you that guy or that girl no. who you no. give zero Fs no. and you're just willing to pay or overpay? Yeah. No. Like we all want a fair deal. Yeah. Fair. Sometimes good. Sometimes you can't get good. Yeah. Sometimes you get a fair deal. Mm -hmm. Or sometimes you just get a house. <laughs> Right? What is it that you want? You yeah. want a good deal or do you want a home? Because hmm. I can get you into a home, but I might not be able to get you into a good deal. Hmm. But I can promise you this, the deal that you get today, I love the odds of that deal being better than the deal you get next year. Hmm. Is that home going to be worth more or less in a year? More. The, the odds are always in your favor. It's going to be worth more. Hmm. Are interest rates going to be higher next year or lower next year? I would estimate higher. The odds are in your favor that they're going to be higher. So the deal and the best deal is typically the deal you can get today, mm. but it might not be in your eyes what's called a good deal, but that's okay. Cause you actually decided you wanted a home. Mm. You wanted to start creating wealth for you and your family, possibly even generational wealth. You understood you want to do that through, through buying a home. Mm -hmm. All right. Anyone who's tuned in, they're like, D.O., just get to the point. I want the, the tactics. I want the tips. I want the tricks. Yeah. Uh, maybe show a disclaimer on this. Fast forward to minute 13 or wherever we are right yeah, now. That's fine. Um, can you look over at your little computer? What minute are we on? I don't know, man. Oh, you can't tell? Yeah, it just has, it's in time code. 500 something. Okay. 500 and something seconds? Yeah, I don't know. Okay. We're, we're far along <laughs> yeah. now. People are like, shut up and just get to it. All right. So you get the drift. We we want to come up with, with some tips and some, some, some tactics. Mm -hmm. All right. Let's start with this one. Okay. Hey, loan officers, you have a pre-approved borrower who's making an offer on a house. Pick up the phone and call the listing agent. Introduce yourself to the listing agent. Introduce your firm to the listing agent. Let the listing agent know how much work you have done upfront already on your client's pre-approval. Tell them how you have verified income, verified assets. Maybe you've already used Fannie Mae's D1C, day one certainty, and you have some uh, uh, income validation already already taken care of. That's a great tip and tactic to separate yourself against all the other offers coming in and the loan officers for those buyers didn't pick up the phone. Pick up the phone and call the listing agent. By the way, listing agents also have buyers, loan officers. Wouldn't you want to build a relationship with another realtor in your marketplace? Of course you would. In fact, when you're doing your pre-approval and you're being introduced to that home buyer for the first time, make sure 
that you're telling that buyer that this is a service that you provide. Because guess what? You might not be the only lender that that buyer talks to or that borrower talks to, but you may be the only lender who has offered or suggested that they would call the seller and or the seller's agent on their behalf to pitch the strength of their financing. That may be the reason why they use you instead of the online lender. They use you instead of the person who's always advertising or the company's always advertising on, on uh, TV. You know, that's the reason why they may use you and not your bank. So there's my first tip. Okay. Call the listing agent. That Call the seller. Yeah. All right. How about this one? Offer a 10-day financing contingency. Okay. All right. So a lot of contracts that I've seen... They have a default, and the default may be three weeks. The default may be 30 days, meaning if a box is not checked on the sales contract, it means that the buyer has 30 days to obtain a financing, um, to obtain financing, yeah. right? Meaning there's a contingency in the contract that states if financing is not available, then the contract is cancelable, and any deposit given will be refunded back to the buyer. Mm -hmm. All right, well, realtors... Are you partnered with a lender who can get you a financing um, commitment, a loan commitment, conditional commitment within 10 days, 10 business days, all right, 10 business days. Loan officers, if you work for a mortgage company who can't do that, hey, I'm just going to suggest you may want to put your feelers out. You, know, you, you may want to ask yourself, is that worth you looking for? another place of employment. It might not be. And I'm not saying that, that oh, if your mortgage company can't, can't uh, uh, offer a 10-day you know, underwrite a loan approval that you should go leave that mortgage company, yeah. no. But this is one of the tactics that, that we're using at the mortgage company that, that I'm affiliated with. Mm -hmm. We're using this right now in order to help our buyers get their offers accepted. Because, John, I don't know if you know this or not, but do you know how much money we make on having 100 pre-approved buyers? No, I don't. How Take much? a wild guess. How much money do you think do you think we make every time we pre-approve someone for financing? Nothing. Negative. Negative you, money. We make negative money. Oh yeah, you spend money because you have to like order reports and stuff. Yeah, yeah. At a minimum, I paid for a credit report, right? I probably ran it through AUS. I probably uh, utilized technology like smart fees. Um, oh, yeah. yeah. We don't make any money as banks and lenders pre-approving buyers. So it does us no good to have 100 pre-approved buyers sitting in our pipeline. Oh, yeah. It does us a lot of good when those 100 pre-approved buyers become 100 home buyers under contract in need of financing. Mm. So it only behooves us to want to figure out how we can make sure our borrowers, which ends up being a home buyer or a realtor's buyer, that their offers are accepted. Well, how do I make their offer stand out? Me as a lender, I'm going to let my realtors know and the sellers know that, hey, we're, we're going to get you a financing a financing commitment yeah. in 10 days. Go ahead and write a 10-day uh, financing contingency. Is that not the like norm? No, the norm is, is usually a default of like 21 days or 30 days. Mm. So I start doing 10. Okay, I'm going to get someone to actually pay attention to my offer. Now, what if I couple that, a 10-day financing contingency and a... Um, I'm going to call the listing agent. Hmm. How about a quick appraisal? How about a quick appraisal? Are you willing to pay an extra $100 for a rush appraisal? 
There's I point. would be. As a lender, I would be. I'd, I'd be willing to pay pay someone from my appraisal panel an extra $100, $150 to get my order done within a week instead of two or three weeks, depending on the market you're in. There's some markets that take an appraiser's three weeks. What? Three weeks to get an appraisal done. So what if I could get my appraisals done in 10 days? Okay. Now by shortening the, the time period, because if you're a seller, look, time is money. It's all about uncertainty. We discussed, you know, the reason why cash offers are, are so enticing is because they take away uncertainty. Mm-hmm. A lot of times you don't, have, well, you never have a financing contingency. You may have an inspection contingency. Um, and rarely would you have an appraisal contingency, right? And contingency is basically, if this doesn't go right, I can back out of the contract. Right. It's a buyer telling a seller, these are my outs, yeah. to use like one of my poker ter- terminologies that I love to use. Yeah. So th- that again, you know, do I have enough appraisers on my roster? If I don't, I need to work with my appraisal management department to add appraisers hmm. so that the more people I have, if I need one done in 10 days, I can send the order out and see, hey, who's willing to do this in 10 days? I may get someone saying, hey, Dustin, I'll do it in 10 days, but not for $550. I need $750. Okay. It's a cost to doing business in today's market. I may have to pay as a lender that extra $200 to get that appraisal done quickly. Hmm. And there's a good chance if I could pass the cost along to my consumer in a compliant manner that my consumer, my buyer would understand that, yeah, I paid an extra 200 bucks for my appraisal, but... I got the home. Yeah, I got the home. I got the home that I wanted. Yeah. So that's something else that, that we can do. Now, depending on where you work, and this is, look, I really try hard not to, to do like shameless plugs of the mortgage company that I'm affiliated with, but it's just going to show up. Like when you've been somewhere for 13 years, it's kind of A, what you know, yeah. and B, there's a reason why I've been here for 13 years. <laughs> right. I mean, you can't really hide from it. So like here, and I know other mortgage companies have something very similar. Mm-hmm. Like I'm pretty sure my friends who work at Fairway have something very similar. And I know my friends who work at Guild have something very similar. So there, I'm not just pimping out Waterstone, right? <laughs> hey, Waterstone. <laughs> um, platinum pre-approvals. You as a media guy, yeah. I'm going to teach you about platinum pre-approvals unless you already know. I've never heard that term. You've never heard that term. Platinum pre-approvals? Yeah. No. So pre-approval is a very vague term. To be pre-approved, in my eyes, may be something totally different than the eyes of that loan officer at that credit union. Mm-hmm. For me, as a loan officer, I feel like it's my job to be smarter than the underwriters, to be more skilled, more polished, more experienced, and better researched than, a, than an underwriter. Mm-hmm. If I tell you, John Coleman, you're pre-approved, then damn it, you're yeah. getting a loan. Yeah. You are, unless you have a bad inspection, bad appraisal, bad title work, or you do something stupid like quit your job or go buy a car mm-hmm. or you know not disclose information to me, although I asked you three times, do you pay child support? And all three times you said no. Yeah. Then I got your pay stub, and I'm like, what's this $400 a month garnishment from your pay stub? Oh. Uh, yeah, <laughs> forgot about that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, that's happened, obviously. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So to me, when I say you're good, you're good. Mm-hmm. But- not every loan officer operates that way. I've employed some loan officers who have worked under the Waterstone umbrella that no matter how much we taught and trained them that, they didn't. They didn't collect people's tax returns up front. They didn't uh, double check 
the bank statements for large deposits. They didn't ask all the right questions. Mm-hmm. Now, those people no longer work at Waterstone. Mm-hmm. Um, we we you know, sought them out and helped them uh, explore opportunities outside of the Waterstone umbrella. Yeah. But there's loan officers across the United States from Spokane, Washington, all the way down to Key West, Florida, that their definition of a pre-approval might not be mine. It's a little bit looser, mm-hmm. right? So it's not as ironclad, which means you you as a seller could accept someone's offer and if you only had a 30-day financing contingency written into your contract and not a 10-day, you could be day 28 and realize that your home buyer is being denied. That happens? Yes, that happens. Not here at Waterstone, but it happens. Hmm. It happens. So um, that's why that whole 10-day financing contingency uh. is, is a way for us to make our offers more, more attractive. Yeah. Um, but it's also why sellers are apprehensive to accept offers with, um, with financing. Mm. So if you had a platinum pre-approval and your, your company, we call it platinum pre-approval where I work. Okay. Um, that could be platinum pre-approval. It could be something different somewhere else, gotcha. but essentially here's what it is. We are taking a file in without a contract. You typically do not send a file to be formally underwritten until you have a contract okay. because so much of the underwriting process is the collateral, the home. The appraisal. Well, if I don't have a contract, how can I have collateral? Yeah. I can't underwrite the collateral. But in in certain situations where it makes sense, and this market has more of those situations, what if I said, you know what, John, I'm going to go ahead and I want to disclose to you a loan application, right? It's not going to be on a on a, uh, on a on a real address, but I'm going to send your file all the way through processing. We're going to order the IRS tax transcripts. We're going to verify your employment with your employer. We're going to go above and beyond and do a complete underwrite. That way I'm going to have your loan fully approved in underwriting where that loan uh, approval is without conditions and it doesn't expire for 60 days or 90 days. All I need you to do is go under contract. Once I have an appraisal back and the title work back, we can close you whether that's seven days, 10 days, or 14 days. Now, when you're out making an offer, you're making an offer and you are truly competing with cash because guess what your financing contingency is? What? No days. Right. You're waiving your financing contingency, which that leads me to another tactic. Okay. Realtors and loan officers, you know those super strong home buyers. Like, you know that... That engineer who's been on his or her job for 17 years makes 10 grand a month W-2'd and salaried, and their spouse who's been on their job for 22 years, and they make their $4,000 a month for the same employer for the past 19 years. You know what? Yeah. Okay. And you've seen their bank statement, and they have 200 grand sitting in there. You may just want to waive a financing contingency period in the story. Like, like even if one of those two people lost their job, they still qualify, right? Like, mm-hmm. like that may be a tip, trick, or tactic. I'm not a realtor, so please don't take my advice on that. But it's just a, yeah. it's just a side thought that I had. Like when talking about the platinum pre-approval, mm-hmm. like a reason why you would have it is that you take the financing contingency off the table. Mm-hmm. Like we look, we we've already we've already done this. Yeah. We, we've already we've already not just pre-approved. We've already approved. Like I've always argued as a loan officer, I'm so good. My my pre-approval is as good as that platinum pre-approval. Yeah. But not every loan officer has, you know, completed a thousand transactions over their 16-year career. Mm-hmm. They might not have the that that fortitude and that technical skill set just yet. 
So they want to feel more comfortable because mm-hmm. it's their name on the line. It's their reputation on the line. Let's do a platinum pre-approval. There's a tip or trick or, or tactic. So I'll, like, so how you package it as a LO matters. <clears throat> yeah, well, that's, that's kind of the point of the show. It's like, look, it sucks trying to buy a house right now. How can we help our clients and our realtor partners have their offers looked at in a better light? Hmm. Right? These are some of the tips, tricks, and tactics that we can use. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's talk about this. Okay. Because we talked about, look, you, you, could, you could waive the appraisal contingency. When and why would you waive the appraisal contingency? Well, if I have a home buyer who's putting 50% down and the home appraises for 5% under contract price, so a $400,000 property appraised for 20 grand low. Okay, if if my client was only putting 5% down, I'm SOL. Because I'm assuming the seller doesn't want to budge. Right, in today's market, a home appraises low, I'm assuming the seller doesn't want to budge. Don't care. Okay, but so in that case, I can't waive the appraisal contingency because if that home doesn't appraise and my seller can't obtain financing, then I'm going to need something to back out of the contract and something that allows my seller to get his or her deposit back. Mm. But if my buyer is, did I say seller get their money back? I meant buyer, by the way. I'm so sorry if those are interchangeable there. They're not interchangeable. (laughs) One is buying a home, one selling a home. Um, so yeah, if, if that home doesn't appraise, my buyer gets the deposit back. Gotcha. But if my buyer, we call them borrowers on the lending side, mm-hmm. if they're putting 50% down, whether their loan to value is 50% or 55%, mm-hmm. it doesn't really impact the financing. Mm-hmm. Now I'm not going to say that a home buyer is going to want to buy a $400,000 home that only appraised for 380. Mm-hmm. But what I'm saying is that if they're putting 50% down, it's not going to impact 99 times out of 100 my ability to finance them. Gotcha. All that it impacts is their loan to value. On my end, their loan to value is now 55% and not a 50%. Mm. So those are things to think about as a lender. You have to have those types of conversation with your realtor. Be involved in the offer process and let the realtor know that these are some of your outs. Like, hey, this person is so strong that if the home appraises low, it's not going to impact my ability to offer financing. Mm. Now, what if it does? What if in that scenario, the home does appraise low and your your client was only putting 5% down? So a $400,000 purchase, it, it appraised at 380000 Well, the lender is only going to finance 95% of the appraised value, which is three eighty. Oh, gotcha. So, you know... W- w- what is that? Uh, Thirty-eight thousand. Divide that by two is uh, fifteen plus two sixteen. What is that, John? Nineteen thousand. Math major. Now it's like yeah, nineteen grand. So like now the down payment is nineteen grand, but then they have to come up. The the buyer has to come up with the difference. That ain't gonna work. Hmm. Like, you know. So like, what are some ways that we could work around that? So this is what I want to foreshadow to a future class. I would love to bring in one of my mortgage insurance friends to teach a class about how mortgage insurance providers, PMI, how they're utilizing PMI to bridge the gap when you have a low appraisal because we're seeing more and more low appraisals in a market like this, right? Supply and demand, the demand is driving up uh, the prices because Mm -hmm. there's a lack of supply. People are overpaying, willingly overpaying because they realize that although I'm overpaying by 5%, I'm still getting the home today at today's interest rates and the home's going to be worth at least 5% more next year. 
right? So what you can do in certain situations is negotiate with the seller. So you're gonna have a low appraisal. And again, I, I don't want to dive into this because this is a whole entire episode in its own, okay. but I, I teased it enough and I kind of threw it out there that I want people to have a general idea. Cause if you're fairly skilled in the mortgage origination arena or the, 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 the real estate arena, this is going to make sense to you. Mm-hmm. If a home appraises low and your buyer, the borrower doesn't qualify now because of the low appraisal, and they can't come up with the funds to to bridge the gap between appraised value and purchase price. And the seller is like, hell to the no, I'm not dropping the price, or I'm sure as heck not dropping it by 20 grand. Mm-hmm. Well, what are some things that you could do? Okay, well, in 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 the case that um, I was thinking about, where let's say a home appraised low, and now I don't know. Let's say the person was putting down 20 percent. This is the easiest one. Okay, the person was going to put down 20 percent. Mm-hmm. Uh, but for whatever reason, the home appraised low and it appraised low by 20 grand. Well, it, it doesn't impact the buyer's ability to qualify for financing or, or for financing to be available. But now because of the low appraisal and because the borrower only had their 20% to put down, they didn't have 20% plus enough to cover the low appraisal. What if we introduce mortgage insurance? Hmm. But what if the buyer's like, uh, no. I'm not going to pay over appraised value and now have my monthly payment go up by 90 or $150 a month right. because of mortgage insurance. Or what if the lender's like, hey, I can still do a loan for you, but once I add the mortgage insurance, your DTI goes up over 45% and now you no longer qualify. Jeez. Well, here's something you can do, guys and girls. You can negotiate with the seller to possibly not drop the sales price by 20 grand, but what if they gave like a $5,000 lender credit or a $4,000, I'm gonna say lender credit, seller credit, Mm -hmm. or a $4,000 lender credit. What is the cost? This is the question. What is the cost to buy out the mortgage insurance? You can do that, by the way. Mortgage insurance does not have to be paid monthly. On a conventional loan, you can do buyer paid one time mortgage insurance. You just buy it out. Really? Yeah, lump sum it. Hmm. Okay. So in this example of, of the appraised value came in 20 grand low, now instead of doing instead of being at an 80% loan to value, because there's going to be a bridge, uh, a gap to bridge, then now the down payment is only going to leave your loan to value at 85%. Instead of putting a 90 or $100 a month mortgage insurance onto the buyer or borrower's loan, at which point, A, they might not want to do because now that makes the home less affordable. Mm-hmm. And B, they might not qualify because that extra 90 or 100 bucks a month now means that their DTI is over 45 and they don't qualify. Seller already said hell to the no that I'm, they're going to drop the sales price. But what if you could get them to meet you somewhere close to the sideline, not even the <laughs> middle, yeah, yeah, yeah. somewhere close to the sideline. Hey, I'll still pay 20 grand over appraised value, but I need you to kick in $5,000 of a closing cost credit, I'm going to use that five grand to buy out my mortgage insurance. Damn, that's some wizardry. So those are some things, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children 18 plus, those are some things that you can use in today's market to set yourself apart and make sure your offers are A, being accepted and being looked at in front of all of the other offers, including cash offers, right? Including a cash offer. And B, if you do find yourself into a sticky situation with a low appraisal, 
and it's it's a conventional loan. This really works best on conventional loans. I, I, I haven't figured out how I can make it work on FHA, VA, or USDA, but get creative. Get creative with your mortgage insurance. And if you need a, a better idea of what I mean by that, pick up the phone and call one of your mortgage insurance reps. Mm-hmm. Ask them, because their job is to help you win and close more transactions. Just like loan officers, it's your job to help your realtors win and close more transactions. And loan officers and realtors, you separate yourselves from the competition when you teach and explain to your buyers tips, tricks, and tactics that they can use to make sure that their offer is the offer that wins when you're in a competitive situation. That was awesome. That's all I have for you today, John Coleman. That was great. Check us out, guys, on Instagram, LinkedIn, Facebook, YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts. If you like what we do, please share us, give us a thumbs up, give us a five-star review. If you have any comments, commentary, questions, hit us up, whether you email us at theloanofficerpodcast at gmail.com. Correct. Uh, or YouTube is a great forum. Yep. Uh, you can send messages to me directly on LinkedIn. I'm Dustin Owen. You can send uh, messages on Instagram as well as Facebook. But full disclosure, I just got around to replying to a couple messages from like mid-March on Facebook. So LinkedIn's a better forum. The email's a better forum. Yeah. I'm Dustin Owen, 407-645-6363. I have been known to pick up the phone if you call. People legit, people have called him and he's like, "Hello." And is this is this Dustin? You sound just like you do on the podcast. Yeah, it's really me. <laughs> and uh, I still will take your phone call, but you know, happy selling, happy hunting. Uh, keep tuning in, and if you have any show suggestions, we'd love to hear from you. But he's John Coleman, I'm Dustin Owen. That's all the time we have today. So, deuces. Peace.